everybody, welcome back to the Church of Lawrence Family Ministries podcast. Pastor Royce here with my good friend. Hello. Jared Curley. <laughs> I'm here. It's our youth director. <laughs> Cynthia isn't with us today. She is uh, off on holiday. She's taking care of some business, so you got to deal with us for a short amount of time, but we appreciate you guys. Um, got some things going on that we want to let you know about. Um, we are going to Black Bob Bay. Yeah. July 14th, 7.30 to 9. We rented out the whole place yes. just for you. We did it just for you. Yep. Not everyone else listening, just you. <laughs> and uh, we are looking forward to just having a blast out there. Yep. I love it when people prioritize the social pieces of getting to grow closer to their church community. Um, because I know Sundays are, you know, you get in and get the kids checked in. Yeah. You know, you get your word in, you fill out your notes app or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you get lunch and take a nap and boom, we yeah. we got it done. But then it's like, oh, I don't know anybody I go to church with. Yeah. Like I know their name. I know them the yeah. way that I know like the people that work in retail know customers. Like I know yeah. their name. I know what they like about the weather. I think it kind of, it, it, for me, which is funny because I do work here, but like it, it kind of, it can turn into like almost like a coworker experience where it's like you're used to someone in this one context where the the kind of like, not necessarily the rules, but the parameters are really, really clear. You know what I mean? It's like, we all know the routine of what we're doing here. And so it's easy to interact with each other in this context with these, like this set of rules, you know? But as soon as like you go to lunch with your coworker for the first time, you're like, what do we talk about? Right. (laughs) Yeah. What's going on here? And look, I get it too. I mean, like there's some people that that's, you know, that's just where they're at in life. And that's cool too. We love that. Um, but we also know that there's something that happens that's greater For sure. whenever you're really a part of a body. Like I, yeah. I was, uh, I had this thought I had to use a power washer. I don't own a power washer personally. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a part of my repertoire. I probably <laughs> should. I'm 36 years old and I own a home. I should probably have a power washer, but I don't. And I reached out to some people in the church that I know. And I just, I knew they had a power washer. I said, Hey, can I borrow it? And when I was driving to their house to go pick it up, I was like, this is so cool because I remember being a kid and, you know, as a kid, we weren't connected to any community. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have anything outside of like some friends that I had on the the block. Right. Um, And so when you didn't have something like that, you just didn't have it. Yeah. You know, you didn't have a resource to maybe like to uh, the way that I saw it in my brain was like, it's an extension of a body. It, it has a useful piece that I don't have by myself. For sure. Yeah. And that comes through, you know, a connection that I have through a relationship that I have. So a little opportunity that will happen on July 14th, obviously bring your kids. Yeah. I mean, kids love the pool. <laughs> they love to splash around. I will throw your children into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> um, they won't die. There's going to be lifeguards there. It's there going to go. be good. Yeah. It's safe. Everyone's going to be safe. Yeah. And so come, it'll be a really, really fun time. And look, you guys like we are hoping to establish some rhythms, yeah. you know, the picnic in the park event, the Black Bob Bay event, um, what we're going to be doing in August on August the 4th. You know, we're really trying to create these memory moments for your students to be a part of. And so we want them to be there. We want you guys to be there. Buy-in is kind of what creates that rhythm. Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a two-way road. We can provide it, but it's also got to be engaged, and we want to. We want you guys to engage it. Another thing I need you everybody to know about is – on uh, the second and third week of July, which is the 9th and the 16th, during both of the Sunday morning services, we're just going to be on the kids' side, so the south side of the building. 
we are going to be drilling a tornado drill. And so as parents, we want you guys to have a heads up, let your kids know. We will be letting them know. We'll be communicating here. We'll be communicating via email. We'll be communicating through the pulpit. And I'm sure that the those dates are going to get here and somebody's going to be like, I never heard that we were doing this. And just know that we're trying our best. Uh, we haven't figured out how to get the voice of God to do announcements for yeah. us. Um, but, in t- but we are working on until it. We find yeah. that, until we find <laughs> out, um, we're going to use the next best thing, which is Pastor David and some emails in this podcast. <laughs> Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. But um, no, so uh, those, those dates, we are going to be doing uh, f- tornado drills specifically. We're not doing fire drill with the construction that's going on outside. Um, we are going to avoid going outside, obviously, and so we'll just be doing that in the fall. We're going to look to do that because safety is a really big deal to us, and I think safety with kids is an awesome thing to prioritize. Yeah. I hope you agree. I agree. I hope everyone yeah. agrees because if not, <laughs> we're going to have a problem. So that's the 9th and the 16th of July, um, and then I'll kind of dive into a little bit of what I wanted to talk about today, um, but let you know one other thing before we get there. So um, the health of a church is only as healthy as the people that attend it. And the health of a family is only as healthy as the marriage that binds it. Mm-hmm. And so to that end, we are starting a six-week uh, marriage course that's going to be uh, done by all the pastors. We're all engaging it. Pastor David and Pastor Tracy are teaching. Uh, Pastor Mike and uh, I'm sure Janelle will be there. I'm going to try and rope my wife Jenny into it because if you guys have ever met her and then met me or vice versa, you know who the winner in that group is. Um, and so we're going to be doing that starting. It's going to be Wednesday nights. There will be child care that is available as far as we know of right now by the time of this recording. That does mean that all things are subject to change and Jesus could come back in between now and then, but we're going to try to do child care. It's going to go from July 12th through August 16th. It's going to be in the evening. Um, I don't want to quote the time here because I'm not exactly sure on it. We literally just forged this like a couple days ago. Um, So we're going to be doing a six-week course on marriage, and we want you to be there. It is not for people just that their marriage is in dire straits. It's for everybody that doesn't want their marriage to be in dire straits. So that's not to say that that's the only thing that will keep your marriage from, you know, going into a horrible place or going into a difficult place, but it is just simply to say that um, health comes with transparency. Mm. You know, I don't know if you've ever been a doctor. I had this great moment with my doctor when uh this was years ago i've had the same doctor for a long time now and um we did a blood test um to just check panels and do kind of normal physical stuff and and i asked him i kind of knew this but i kind of wanted to hear his take on it i said why do you guys do blood blood work and he says because you can sit here and you can tell me anything you want to but your blood doesn't lie sure yeah And your blood is completely transparent to what is going on Mm -hmm. in your body. And I can measure the health by the transparency that your blood provides. Now I could make a, I can make a really awesome Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll save that for a sermon somewhere down the road, okay? But for right now, we'll just say that um, transparency equals health. Yeah, for sure. And um, and then you know, I know that it gets. I know people's experiences are people's experiences, and we can't control everyone. But I I know this. Whenever it comes to the leadership of this church, yeah, you can be transparent with for us. For sure. Um, we'll love you. We'll meet you exactly where you are, and I don't care where that is because you guys they keep letting me in. And they gave me a key a long time ago, 
it's a safe place for you yeah, too. Yeah. So, um, but I, that's going to be happening. So be on the lookout for that. But I wanted to kind of just touch base real quick and we'll have an interesting perspective on this because I'm going to talk about the relationship that kids have to church as they develop. And I have sitting with me the consequence of that system yeah. <laughs> unfolded upon I always life. say Rebecca Hernandez and I are the, uh, the clearest results of the Church of the Harvest experiment. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, this you is... want to know what it's like to raise your kids here from birth till young adults. You can look at us. And I will hopefully say, hopefully get some. Yeah, I so. will say, I, let me, let me say this because this is important. <laughs> that iteration over the span of Rebecca and Jared's lives had a lot, Looks very different, <laughs> had a lot of changes happen over yeah. the course of time. I was here for most of it yeah. and I have taken the best from each era yes. and done my best to yeah. implement it. I'll give you just one example of this. One of the big emphasis that we have with our team is to not brainwash your children in yeah, church. So sure. we teach them how to think instead of what to think. That's a major tenet of mine yeah. because I believe that when you teach people um, how to think, they, they have the opportunity to come to a correct conclusion. And that is way different than we're just going to religiously program your child to yeah. be what culture would say or what religion would say is a good child. Okay, So that's just a little bit of a tidbit of kind of the nuance that goes into my... Um, I guess kind of the the intricacies of how I think of approaching and some of the philosophies of ministry yeah. that I have, but um, obviously and maybe not obviously I should say so. Um, just so that everyone's aware, pa- or sorry, family ministries at Church of the Harvest is different. It's a uh, it's different than your traditional children's and youth uh, ministries. Um, typically, seventy five percent of churches. Um, as of right now, 2023 in the United States of America, 75% of churches run youth and kids, which means usually somewhere around fifth grade, uh, they depart from one ministry and they go into another ministry. And outside of just communicating events, um, it usually doesn't touch or speak to parents. Um, and so that's a very traditional model. That's how the church has run for a really long time. Um, about five, six years ago, we took a look at that and really had a desire to lean into family ministries. And so family ministries is 25% uh, and growing. It's the fa- family ministries pastor is the fastest growing um, pastoral position in huh. church in America. Um, and so the just so that you guys are aware, it's broken that ministry is is broken into seven different segments and it'll make sense when i say it so you have nursery preschool elementary which is up to third grade we have the great advantage um, and because we have amazing people we have a Mm preteen environment we have middle school which is sixth through eighth grade and then we have high school which is ninth grade through twelfth grade that's six of them um, we added a seventh this year. This was a really cool opportunity that we had, uh, that we got to do, where I'm a part of a small group of those family ministries pastors, um, and there's uh, I think 18 of us nationwide that um, are a part of, you know, essentially what we could consider a beta test um, for adding a seventh environment to family ministries, which is parent engagement. Yeah. And so that's why you've, you, if you've seen or if you've been able to hear, we, we put it out in 411 every time we have one. Um, we'll have these coming back up in the fall. The marriage thing is a little, is kind of adjacent to it because marriage is obviously a part of family ministries, but it's not exclusive to family ministries. Um, 
But uh, the classes that we've had, uh, Dana did dump, dump the Drama, I did a class called Grace Homes throughout the end of April and all through May. Um, in the fall, right towards the, uh, after the back to school, so probably starting in September, we will have another one of those classes as well. And we'll, we'll run those uh, seasonally. And so um, parent engagement is the biggest one. And, and one of the things that is important to understand, and I'll just kind of preface it with this, because a lot of things that happen in our ministry are secondary consequences of the things that I've had throughout my life that I've either observed or I've implemented that are have been really fruitful realities within my family. And one of those is, is this, is a, a very important part of how we how we do what we do in the Walker household, and it's this. I'll never tell my kids that they have to go to church. Mm. Like We do not enforce our children going to church. Um, one of the things I've always told my kids, I'm never going to make you go to church, but if you don't want to go, we're, we're going to talk about why. Sure. And I know that that can be multifaceted. I know that like, you know, interpersonal relationships can be complicated, especially as kids get older and they become teenagers and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But we always keep Jesus the main thing, and that's kind of how we do it. Um, but I can't have those conversations with my kids if I'm not leading the way whenever it comes to how they relate to not only Jesus, but also his church. Yeah, for sure. And that's super nuanced even like depending on how old the kid is. So I'm going to do this like real kind of quick overview. And then Jared, we're going to tap into a little bit of your experience mm -hmm. and maybe deviations away from this yeah. or um, just the, the way this landed on you or some of these things um, did or didn't uh, have an effect in your life. So uh, the earliest part of adolescent development, uh, you guys have heard me talk about this a little bit before, but uh, zero to four years old is an incredibly I cannot overstate how incredibly important that season of life is to the development of a human being. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because by the time you're four years old, your subconscious, which is responsible for 95% of your decision-making, is set. Which means the things that you're afraid of or going to be afraid of, the things that you confront, the things that you don't confront, the things where or places rather that you feel safe, the people that you feel safe around, that is all informed in that zero to four years old. Um, and so whenever it comes to church, that season is immensely important. Um, this is why I always contend with people that our nursery is not childcare. And let me just like emphasize that significantly. Mm. And I know if Cynthia were here, she'd just be like shouting amen as lightly as possible because she doesn't like to be on the podcast all the time. But um, no, like we're not doing childcare. We're creating a space in your child's subconscious that connotates church with safety, church with security, yeah. church with um, familiarity, church with peace. Right, So your people who are in that room first service are the people that are in that room for first service. Each week your kid gets the same people. Barring some type of emergent situation, um, you're going to find those environments are very, very consistent. Um, the same people that are in their second service are the same people that are in their second service. And we're doing that so that your kids can get familiar with those people and go through that very important process of detaching away from you. And I can't overestimate that either. Like, it's so funny to watch new parents that have a baby, especially if it's their first baby. If it's their second baby, they got it. They're like, yeah, my kid's not going to die. They're going to be <laughs> fine. And But, like, having parents that drop their kid off and, and just the 
difficulty that it is for them to just walk away because their kid's screaming because their kid's never away from them. So yeah. it's a stranger danger. You know, this kid's freaking out. And I cannot emphasize how important that is. And by the way, that kid's going to stop freaking out within about 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, after, if you're consistent with that, for usually it takes about 8 to 12 weeks, they won't even cry anymore. They've built a familiarity, a, a basis of familiarity with that individual. They have experiences with those people. They remember things in a, in a different way than the way that we remember things as adults. But they carry that, and all that's happening subconsciously is they're building in a, this place is safe. These people are safe. This place is safe. These people are safe. Um, that's a big deal to us. And so that's our nursery. Even going into our preschool environments um, with those preschool kiddos, we're playing with them. We're on the ground with them. We're showing Jesus to them and through play, through different mechanisms of relating to them. Our preschool uh, folks that, that are in that environment are wizards. I mean, people who... This is what they do for their jobs. They have gone through the classes. They understand the psychology of adolescent development. They understand the spiritual nature of development. Um, Like they are absolutely amazing people. Um, And then we get into elementary. So elementary is the first time that kids are really developing a sense of figuring out community. Um, The hard part about church today, like, is that you kids typically don't go to church who they go to school with. Yeah. And it's hard because effectively they're strangers. That's one of the reasons why frequency and um, like kids' frequency in church is such a big deal. Is because like long gone are the days where I can pull off, hey, we're going to do a service on Sunday morning and then you're going to come back on Sunday night and you're going to prioritize that. And then uh, you're going to come in on Monday night and we're going to do a Bible study and we'll have childcare for your kids. And you're going to come to that too. And then Wednesday, we're going to have it again. Like some of you guys, that was your experience growing up. And, and it was in a way it was hard. Um, but in a way, a lot of people who had those experiences, they actually have really positive experiences with that. Um, because they really grew connected to the kids that they were with and the people that they were with during that season. Mm -hmm. Culture will not allow me. I mean, there's too many competing factors. There's sports, there's school, there's, um, you know, we're not even in the school year, and there's no way I could pull something like that off in the summer. It's not from a facilitation or a a people resource standpoint. It's from the tolerance of Johnson County America in 2023 to say we're going to do something every day of the week. Yeah. And families are just like, hey, we love you, but that's optional, beyond optional. Like, it's not doable. We're going to come on Sunday morning. You're welcome. You know, and it's like, hey, cool. Let's, I, we're fine with meeting that in the middle, but let's all understand then that a kid's frequency at church on Sunday morning so that they can have a friend there, so that they can grow in a relationship there, that's going to be super vital. Yeah. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to get a pre-teenage kid, this is fourth and fifth grade, to do something when there wasn't a friend that they had (laughs) in that place, but good luck. (laughs) Like, good luck. And when when that is associated to their connectivity to God, that becomes complicated Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, Where it's... Where it is pretty important for a preteen, it's absolute for a middle school kid. 
uh, middle school kid, they're starting to tribalize. They're trying to find their people. They're trying to find out where do they fit in? Who are they? All of these existential kind of questions are coming up, but they don't know how to ask them. And so they're just kind of floundering around sometimes in the awkward pool of being in sixth grade and going to a new school with brand new people that they didn't cook their brains with for the first five, six years of their elementary age time frame. It's one of the things that people don't really realize about uh, like social anxieties in middle school is that kids don't typically don't develop social anxieties um, until usually around fourth and fifth grade. And that's actually happening as a precursor to them anticipating going into a space where they don't know most of the people. Mm. Because in an elementary school, well, they went into that elementary school when they were five. Yeah. So their memory connectivity was barely there. Um, like if you try to remember when you were four, like you might be able to pull one or two memories, right. but usually they didn't happen until six, seven years old. You yeah, start yeah. to get much deeper memory. And so what that means is, is those kids have always been with those people that are in their elementary school. They're native. And of course, this is to kids that are in a public education type system or even a private school. But once they go into a feeder middle school, which has multi, sometimes three, two or three elementary schools, um, obviously at minimum two, sometimes up to four. Most of the people that they're going to encounter their sixth grade year are going to be strangers. Yeah. And what do we teach our, you know, what do we teach our kids about safety? Stranger <laughs> danger. Yeah. And so it, it creates a social anxiety. And then they try to tribalize and try to grab a semblance of that and do some identity formation. It's also why, um, you know, understanding as parents that our primary role is to inform their identity. You know, uh, I go back to the name day in the Hebrew culture. It's the eighth day. The Hebrew people would name their child based off of the latent potential that was in their kid that they prophetically viewed, and they spoke that over that kid. It wasn't that that kid was that thing yet. It was that that's what that kid was going to become, and we're constantly doing that throughout their life. The names that you call their your children will be the people that they become. Yeah. For sure. The names that you think about your children yeah. <laughs> will be the people that they become because it comes out one way or the other. So, um, but that's kind of middle school. And then um, I think most people kind of, I think most people relate to high school as much because um, there's a lot of similarities between a high school individual and adults. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's very actually like cognitively speaking, there's not as much distance between those two areas as there is to a lot of the other areas. Yeah. Um, like being, you know, in preschool versus being in high school, that's right. a huge distance. Um, some people, you know, unfortunately they actually don't ever emotionally mature <laughs> beyond, yeah. uh, early twenties, um, which is, you know, it's sad, but it's, it's where it's, it happens. Yeah. Um, and God's good in all of those spaces. And, and it's not all about just, you know, being the most, intellectually whatever or you know positioning yourself as the most mature emotionally emotionally mature adult or whatever sure. it's like just understanding where we're at humbly yeah. but anyway i think most people associate with high schoolers but they also do this thing where um like let's just say you were a teenager in the 90s and you try to uh, relate to a teenager right now and like I love you. And yeah, there's some things that are just, they're true of teenagers, but like you rewinded your music with a pencil and a tape and you recorded music when they played it on the radio mm. and they have streaming services now. Yeah. Like kids don't, I don't even have a, an understanding of what rewind means. Mm. They just go back a track, you know? So there's a lot of difference culturally between the way that we were as teenagers 
and the teenagers that are right now, especially given the fact that they, you know, a lot of them were either going into high school or they were in the latter part of their middle school years when COVID hit. And they ejected out of school for two and a half years and had to wear masks and also dealt with having the full brunt of our political system, like shown as, you know, very, very transparently um, while they're developing. And and so it's like you, you mix all that into a bag and, you know, teenagers are actually, you know, teenagers are teenagers, but 2023, you know, teenagers, they're very mature. They, they get a lot of things that you think they might not get. Um, and you know, I, I have a lot of conversations with teenagers every single day and I'm always impressed by, and I can't speak to all teenagers, but, um, you know, especially the ones in our church, you know, they're, they're very, it's not exactly always mature outlook, but the amount of things that they just kind of register and get is really, really awesome. And when that was mixed with an emphasis of, Hey, your spiritual self is the most important self. Yeah. You know, it's the longest lasting self. If you're going to talk about, you know, there's a big, uh, big trigger words in teenage uh, culture is mental health. Mm-hmm. And um, when kids understand that mental health starts with spiritual health, um, that's a huge deal. And they get it because if look, you can run around in the circles all day on mental health and believe in things like self-esteem. And, you know, you'll run around in circles forever um, trying to chase this ethereal mental health thing. Until we understand that mental health starts with spiritual health. Like who, how does God see you? Does God see, is God, does God see you lovingly or is he primarily disappointed? Right. Right. And and, and then adjusting not to what you think based off of your personal perception, but what the Bible says. So what does the Bible say about that? Really good question. Um, For those of us that are in Christ, it's Matthew 3. Okay, so my life is hidden in Christ. What's the declaration over Jesus' life? This is my son, mm-hmm. whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Yep. All three of those things are massively important. That means that the way that the eternal God sees me is I'm his kid, which also means he's my dad. He loves me, which means my identity isn't whatever seasonal failure that I have right now. Yeah. It's my identity is loved. And, and then... The emphasis of with him, I'm well pleased. And when I think especially as parents, as we understand that, um, one of the things that I've taught in my parenting class is that you you actually represent, or you, I'm sorry, you represent the God that you actually believe in. Hmm. So you can say you believe yeah, in sure, sure. whatever, right. you know, kind of perspective you have. How you live to the people that live most closely with you actually reveals Definitely. The God that you actually believe in. Yeah. And boy, if that's not a challenge for everybody to like totally. really look at the fruit of the way that they do life yeah. and examine like, hmm, do I am I an accurate representation of that reality of God that he I'm his kid, he loves me and he's pleased with mm-hmm. me. So that's a little bit of the relationship. Uh, again, just a very cursory overview from start to finish. Um, you know, I, I'll talk to the seventh environment real quick, just as parents. Um, pretty much all the work that I do is um, with parents. A lot of it is deciphering, trying to deprogram um, parents who have been religiously programmed to think that, you know, the more you, you go to church or the more consistent you are at church, the better Christian that you are. And, um, you know, the less things that you 
are aware that you struggle with, the better person that you are, and um, any, just any of these kind of realities that would say that there's one kind of person that's a better kind of person than another kind of person. As Christians, we fundamentally don't believe that. Um, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, is that Jesus died for the world and that there's those of us who are aware of the work that he's done and therefore how God relates to us. And then there's people who don't know that yet. And we're busy trying to love the world into understanding yep. how much God loves them. Yep. So, um, but I do a lot of that with parents, um, but then also just informing, you know, I, know, I understand that a lot of people have the story that I had a dad who was social, super emotionally distant or absent um, or wrote a check and said, this covers my, you know, being a dad. Um, and then mom was uh, doing her best, but nitpicky. And or like you, you do get some people that are hyper religious, which that gets complicated, too, um, or just totally lost, totally, you know, gone into the culture. Um, and so, though, you know, a lot of times I know as parents, it's hard for us to downline identity because we're wrestling with who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, I'll kind of back off that. But Jared, like what was your experience you know, I spoke to a lot of spaces. You were a kid growing up at yeah. church in mm-hmm. those spaces. What was that like for you? Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting because I haven't really thought much about, you know, to your point about um, the relationship you have to memory, you know what I mean, when you're a, a younger kid versus a preteen. I really don't have many memories um, or much thought associated with church before the age of, um, you know, basically before sixth grade when I started mm-hmm. going to the youth group. Um but it definitely was Elijah and I, Elijah Hazim and I tearing up this entire building. We made Natalie Holland cry one time because there was a VBS that we like thought we were way too cool for. And she was like desperately trying to get us to get hyped up for it. And like, we actually were having like the time of our lives, but we were just trying to pretend like we weren't. So hopefully that encourages anybody that feels like their kid is bored at church. They might actually just be, you know, way too cool to, you know, show that they're having a good time. But I will say an interesting thought that I had when we were talking about the the elementary piece of it was um, there was kind of a changing of hands. Um, you know, I won't get into a whole lot of specifics, but, uh, David and Carol Beale for anybody that uh, remembers them, they were my, uh, kids pastors, um, for as long as, you know, I can remember being here, uh, up until I think around third grade, uh, when there was some like changing of hands and stuff. And I, out of all the relationships in my life, I'm like the type of person that like when, when people move on and move away, like I've had really, really close friends for seasons that then decide they want to go to college here or they need to move away or whatever and I'm always very like yeah no like you know go where you you feel you're called and it it, I don't get too emotional about it and I honestly a lot of times don't really realize how much I miss them until they come back you know I have no idea why David and Carol Beal are not in Olathe Kansas at the same time that I am like I miss them (laughs) so much and like the fact that I I started working here as soon as they left just like shatters my heart into pieces every time I think about it too much. Well, they're but also really great people. No, so they're so amazing. And like, and, um, and so I, I say that to say they, their way of doing children's ministry was not very like fancy in the way that we would think of it. You know, it was mm-hmm. very like bare bones, very minimal. I can't really think of a particular thing that they taught me that stuck with me or a verse that they always went back to or a dance or a song that we did, you know, but 
their hearts towards me and, you know, towards Elijah and my other friends and different things like that has stuck with me like significantly, you Mm -hmm. know, and, you know, again, I don't want to get too into the specifics, but when, when hands changed over, it very much became the opposite. It became, we're getting six Xboxes in every single room and we're doing all this, spending all this crazy money on, on VBSs and all these different things. And I, you know, it, I'm sure it didn't fall flat for me in the moment and encouraged me to come to church and different things like that, but it, it hasn't stuck with me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't remember a lot spiritually, um, in terms of like how I felt valued and how I felt seen, you know what I mean? I have so many moments with, with, uh, especially Carol because, you know, they're both very artistic people, but Carol's more my type of artist of like very big picture. Dave's more of a a detail oriented guy. And I just remember, like, I have so many memories of things that I would do or or bring that were kind of like expressions of of mine and Elijah's creativity, and it felt like I was going to get in trouble for it if somebody saw it or something. And she would just like embrace you, yeah, totally. And so that that stuff is it's so meaningful beyond what you guys could even imagine, you know, with your own kids. Um, obviously, middle school and high school is something I've talked even on this podcast a lot more. Uh, a lot more openly about just because I have a lot more thoughts towards it. But yeah, I mean the, you know, I kind of feel like a broken record in some way, but that, that communal thing for me, the fruit didn't, um, it wasn't evident right away. You know, there were a lot of friendships, um, that I was starting around that time that I didn't realize would become super close friendships later on down the line. And there were friendships that I had in there that, um, you know, that we were super close in the in the moment and then they kind of broke off later, you know. And yeah. so just seeing how like, um, you know, to your point earlier about like really none of those people went to school with me. They're all yeah. people that I only saw at church, you know. Um, but, you know, someone like Stephen Heston is a great example of somebody that, you know, I hung out with a little bit, but we, and I mean, a lot, actually. I hung out with a lot for a little bit, um, but we were very different personalities and didn't totally you know, click in a way where we would have a long-term relationship. Um, but his younger brother, David, I lived with for a year. He's one of my like closest friends on the planet, just in terms of like, I mean, he's really like a, a Jonathan David type person Mm -hmm. for me where it's like, he, um, has always been so in sync with like what God's working out with me. He's also working out with him, you Mm -hmm. know? And this is somebody that was a year younger than me that I really never spent any time with. Like as soon as he got involved with, um, like he was running sound and doing different things like that, I was kind of on my way out, you know, and yeah, dealing with other things (laughs) that I thought were more important. Other things. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so, you know, that has been a super cool thing to see, like, it, it kind of come around. And then even, like, his younger sister, uh, Bethany, is one of the kids in the youth group and is, like, one of the people I'm the closest with in terms of just, like, somebody that I feel like just totally gets it. And I don't have to, like, um, I don't have to kind of, if I'm trying to talk through an issue with her or talk through um, kind of a conversation around, you know, a a theological subject or something that I might've taught in a sermon or something like that. I don't have to kind of, um, there's a lot of the conversation I get to skip. Yeah. You don't have to do the tropes. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, it's just amazing. You know, if you're, if you're able to, to get your kids here consistently over a consistent period of time, um, like 
in the same body. You know what I mean? I, I always have a tr trouble saying these kind of things because it's like, oh, I bet he gets a back end on that. Like every time he gets another Dude, family. Dude, we get no <laughs> bonuses whenever <laughs> yeah. a lot of, we just get more relationships to steward. And I, yeah. don't, I don't know if anybody's ever stewarded like multiple yeah. dozen relationships more with work. teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but it's, I mean, it's worth, it's so worth For it sure. in my opinion, yeah. but it's also a lot of work. We're not, yeah, we don't get a kickback because a yeah. hundred kids show up to right. something. Right. It's not that. It's just that we understand yeah. that whenever community happens, I think this is really funny whenever COVID happened because mm. like COVID was like, I had, so here's, here was the, the reality of it. I had a really strong high school student leadership culture that I had built. And then I had a very weak young adult culture Yeah, because Olathe is kind of prime for a right. weak young adult culture, to be honest, just practically speaking. But it was really funny because like uh, maybe eight months into the pandemic in 2020. So what around that would be um, August, right? August, September uh, in there. I had literally like several dozen young adults just randomly hit me up. And I'm like, I was kind of looking, I was like, what's going on here? And I was like, oh, the foundations that they thought they could build their life on that were safe right. all just got tore down. Yeah, yeah. And they recognize like, oh, money leaves very quickly yeah. and job security leaves very quickly and my degree becomes irrelevant very quickly. Yeah. And all of like I should probably build a firmer foundation yeah. on something that won't be shaken. For sure. You know, yeah. that was a really funny consequence yeah. of yeah. that whole thing. But, yeah, but I but I say a lot to say, I mean I would sum up like my, you know, kind of high school experience with just like the um the consistency of I was either not going to church or I was going to church of the harvest. You know what I mean? So my my church experience was very consistent in that way, even though it was inconsistent. Sure. You know, same um, place though. Yeah, exactly. But maintaining that level of consistency, I think, ended up. You know, I'm just saying things. This is just my opinion, but my experience of it was that it was better for me to show up inconsistently at a consistent place than to go to inconsistent places consistently. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. because the result of that was being able to look back on um, these kind of relationships that were like, uh, you know, changing doors. I can't think of the exact analogy I'm trying to think of, but the the relationships were kind of like in and out in a mm -hmm. way, you know, um, and what that taught me more than anything was that it wasn't about the relationships. It was about the God behind them, orchestrating them and kind of weaving these people in and out of my lives in the, the right and wrong seasons that they were supposed to be in them. And that resulted in like, such a gospel centric message to me, which was like, no matter how bad I screw this up or no matter how bad I miss what you're trying to do in my life, you're always going to make it work out for me. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And as soon as I, the sooner I submit to what you're actually trying to do, the, the quicker I reap the benefits of it. Yeah. And know? I think that was the key for you because like yeah. I sat around for a long time waiting for you to figure out that last part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was a very patient man with you. Um, and it's like, yeah, it takes that understanding of like okay this isn't for my benefit yeah you know as a pastor I, you know i pastor jared all through his teenage all through yeah. his middle school and high school years yeah. you i think you showed up either like two weeks before or after i went to my first youth service so mm -hmm. it might have been right after so yeah yeah so i was there for the whole thing yeah. and it was always like hey man um this isn't for my benefit it's for yours and as soon as you figure that out like i'm always gonna be consistent i'm always gonna be here um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to relate to you based off of how often you do my thing. 
Um, but I'm really going to try to relate to you the way that Jesus relates to you. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's really the heart of it. So I think the last part that I'll kind of like interject on is, is it is, yeah, it's a two way road, you know, back to what you were saying about, uh, David and Carol. Um, one of the things that I tell that is just a mantra in our family is that people are more important than things. Yeah, for sure. And I think there is like people always want to strike this balance whenever it comes to children's ministry because, and this is something that like I'm, I'm not like deeply against, but I definitely have my philosophical differences with. Um, we want our kids to like church, mm-hmm. and I get that. I'm not against that at yeah, all. Yeah. That part I'm not against. But usually, what that means though is I want my kids to be entertained at church. Sure, that is not the same thing. Yeah, um, like it's a bad setup for a kid. It's a it's a uh, what like a bait and switch. Mm. If you teach yeah, a kid yeah. to be entertained by church. Right. Because they hear like their their experiences, it's fun, it's fun, it's fun, and then they get to be an adult, and it's like, oh, there's a cross, yeah, and I've got to carry it, and this thing's about sacrifice, and it's not about my fun, you know. There's a line in the Pilgrim's Progress that just always sticks with me, and it's when Christian and uh, Faithful are going into Vanity Fair, and Vanity Fair, for those of you who've never heard of Pilgrim's Progress or read the book. Um, it's it's like a place that's kind of like Vegas. It's like the Sin City, you know, kind of it's hyperbolic and it's all over the place. And it says within Vanity Fair, there were churches. Um, and the way that it describes the churches, it says there was fashionable churches that created synthetic Christians. Mm. And it goes on, it has some more details in there, but those words always stuck with me. Yeah. And I'm never trying to bait and switch kids or parents or, you know, any of that. I'm not trying to entertain your kid. Not that we won't do things that are entertaining, uh, but it is about really creating a relationship with a person that leans into something somebody being able to glean what the relationship is like with god yeah and it's a person it's day bill it's carol bill who you know in a kid's eyes they represent jesus i'm really uh our, our team is amazing but it, honestly to you know i don't know about you but the way that i've always seen it is people's relational capacity is only so much like it took god to have 12 mm-hmm. You know, I'm very, I have a really high relational uh, equity. Like I can have a lot of relationships at one time, but to do them deeply and to do them with a lot of emphasis and a lot of importance and, and accuracy um, and to do them deep, that's not a whole lot of people. You know, so one person can only have so many of those people. And, you know, some kids aren't going to relate to every kind of person. We have amazing people in our elementary space. We have amazing people in all of our environments. We have a very amazing team. But it's this never-ending thing of we, there's always, we're always adding layers. We're always adding people. We're always adding relationships because what person connects with this kid? Because not your kid's not going to remember the video game they played or the Xbox. They will remember the people they connect with. Yeah, for sure. And that that changes, right? It becomes, uh, as they get older, it becomes less about the adult in the room. It becomes less about the authority figure. It becomes more about the the individuals that are peers, right, as far as their influence is concerned. And then hopefully you come to a place of maturity, you know, as you're later in life and you recognize I need mentors. And, you know, maybe it's a lot of people get there in their 20s. Some, you know, really bright people get there in their teenage years. You recognize I need people that are ahead of me and they can pour into me. But it's always about that relationship. Um, And so... You know, I just say that to say we've got a really great team. We're moving in a really awesome direction. We want you to engage. We want um, your family to be healthy, your marriage to be healthy, your relationship with God to be healthy. Um, and, you know, we get this amazing opportunity throughout the month of July. we got events going on. We've got classes going on. 
you know, we've got opportunities for your kids to engage. And um, we just appreciate you guys and love you. Yeah, and uh, don't forget to join us uh, July 16th for Black Broad Bay at 7.30. We'll see you there. Bye.